In today's video, we are going to dive deep into Revelation 2, focusing on the seven letters to the churches. While many are familiar with the letters, there are a lot of hidden gems, lesser known details that most people just don't know. On this channel, we discuss scripture as it relates to your everyday life. So please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. The book of Revelation, it's filled with a lot of rich symbolism. It extends to the letters addressed to the seven churches in Revelation 2. Before we break down and study these letters, there are some key symbols found in them and some of their potential meanings. The stars. In the letter to the church in Ephesus, stars are mentioned as symbols of the angels or messengers of the churches. They represent the angels who have a responsibility to bring forth the light of truth and guidance to the congregation. So stars equal angels. The lampstands. Lampstands symbolize the churches themselves signifying their role as bearers of the light of Christ in this world. The presence of lampstands suggests the importance of shining brightly and illuminating the truth of the gospel. So lampstands equal churches. The Nicolaitans, the exact identity of the Nicolaitans is uncertain, but they are generally understood to represent a group promoting a form of compromise with pagan practices and more immoral behavior. Their presence, it serves as a warning against embracing false teachings and doing things to compromise your faith, to compromise one's faith. White garments. When you see white garments, the concept of white garments appears in the letters to the churches in Sardis and Laodicea. They symbolize purity, righteousness, and spiritual integrity, representing a faithful and blameless life in Christ, contrasting with spiritual deadness and lukewarmness. Hidden manna. In the letter to the church in Pergamum, hidden manna is mentioned as a reward for those who overcome. This refers to supernatural bread provided by God to the Israelites in the wilderness, symbolizes spiritual sustenance, nourishment, and communion with God, suggesting that those who remain faithful will partake in divine blessings. When you see the morning star, this is the promise of receiving the morning star mentioned in the letter to the church in Thyatira. The morning star refers to Christ himself, who is described as the bright and morning star in other parts of the Bible. The promise symbolizes the reward of infinite fellowship and unity with Christ for those who overcome false teachings and immorality. When you see the term open door in the letter to the church in Philadelphia, an open door is mentioned. It symbolizes opportunities, divine favor, and access to God's blessings. The open door represents the invitation to experience God's provision and protection despite opposition and other challenges. So open door equals invitation. Tree of life, we see this throughout the Bible, but specifically in Revelation 2, we encounter some intriguing symbolism that many people overlook. For example, the mention of the tree of life in the letter to the church in Ephesus draws a connection to Eden, the Garden of Eden, symbolizing the restoration of fellowship with God. The white stone mentioned in the letter to Pergamum carries significance related to acceptance and approval. Uncovering these references can really help add depth and a lot of richness to your understanding when you're going through studying and reading these letters. The appeal of the tree of life and what it's power brings us is cited by Jesus as an incentive to conquer and overcome to ultimately get to the tree of life. Like the conclusion in each of the letters, it's a warning. To heed a warning, the exhortation assumes a mixed audience, not all of whom will respond positively, some will respond negatively. Mark 4, 9, then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
When confronted with temptation or the pressure to abandon the faith, Jesus says loudly and clearly, bring to mind the tree of life, meditate on its provision for the one who conquers will eat of its blessed fruit forever. These are just a few examples of the symbolism found within the letters in Revelation 2. It is important to note that interpretations of these symbols can vary. Their meanings may have additional layers of significance. The symbolism in Revelation invites a lot more reflection and contemplation, revealing more spiritual truths and encouraging believers to live faithfully in their respective contexts. Now, let's talk about the church at Ephesus and the letter written to the church at Ephesus. Starting in verse 2, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. We start to see these symbols here with stars, with lampstands, angels, and churches, as referenced earlier. Now, did you know that each of the seven stars in Revelation 2 follows a very specific structure? They begin with an introduction of the sender, usually referencing a different aspect of Christ described in the initial vision. This helps establish the authority and divine nature of the message. Then the letters move on to commendations, where the positive aspects of the church are more highlighted. Smyrna, verse 9, I know that you're suffering and your poverty but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. So we see here to the letter at Smyrna, Jesus assures the church, reassures the church. He knows their suffering, knows their poverty, but still encourages them to be faithful until death. Careful study of this text shows that these are no ordinary letters. They cannot even compare with the others of the New Testament. Whereas in the New Testament epistles that were written by the apostles, the letters in Revelation do not come from John, but from Jesus himself, as the opening lines of each letter make clear. In harmony with ancient practices, each letter begins with identifying the author of the letter, but unlike the epistles, Christ identifies himself as the author using the apocalyptic language employed in John's earlier description of him while he's closely connecting to the letters with the book's opening vision. Let's talk about Pergamum. Verse 13, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who's showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly, fight against them with the sword of my mouth. They are commended for holding fast in the face of adversity. So what we see here, Jesus dictates them to John, telling him at the beginning of each letter, write and use phraseology in Greek that emphasizes their divine origin and their authority. Some even refer to the letters as prophetic oracles in order to distinguish them from the epistles. However, it's important to note that not all the churches receive pure commendations. Some are addressed with criticism, highlighting their shortcomings and areas that need more improvement. This really shows us that even the most faithful, even the most faithful communities have a lot of room for growth, a lot of room for refinement. Thyatira, verse 19, 
I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all of these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin, eat food offered to idols. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. So we see here Jesus commends those who are serving, but he reproves those who tolerate Jezebel, leading them astray. You can see this in the world today, everywhere we turn, a lot of temptation, social media, television. The world has almost become overrun with these types of things, and it's become normalized where we don't really think twice about it because our minds are so numb. So following the commendations and criticisms, we encounter exhortations where the churches are encouraged to take specific actions and make changes. These address the issues and challenges faced by each church, providing practical advice for their spiritual journey. The seven letters to the seven churches also can be symbolizing a Christian's walk. The, you'll start out with fever and zeal of the early faith. Moving through trials, temptations culminates in the call for truth and repentance and wholehearted devotion. We all seem to go through this. These are challenges we all face, will continue to face while we are here. The order of the messages to the churches seems to be divinely selected to give prophetically the main movement of church history, which is very important. Now, as we conclude this eye-opening exploration of Revelation 2, it's essential to remember these letters were not only intended for the early churches, but also valuable lessons for all of us today. They challenge us to examine our faith, identify areas of improvement, and pursue a vibrant relationship with God. That's going to wrap up today's episode, shedding light on the more hidden aspects, some lesser known details of Revelation 2, and the significance it has for us today. May you continue to grow in your understanding.